Amen. Thank you, Judy. How beautiful heaven must be. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight, verses 7 through 10. As we're going to look on the subject of when heaven is silent. Find that text if you'd stand with me in God's honor. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Father, speak to us, Lord. Uh, We need you... So we just simply ask that you would continue to touch our hearts, Father. That your Holy Spirit would speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God is not merely a God who has spoken. He is a God who speaks. Um, great testimony. I appreciate you sharing, Judy, the blessing of praying this morning. There is something very precious about just spending some time before the Master and to be able to come before Him, to humble ourselves in His presence. And it's a joy, but there are times where we pray and we seek God and heaven appears to be silent. It's, it's like we're speaking, but we don't hear God. It, you know, God... Of course we think, well, he's not going to listen or speak to those who are not in his son in Christ. And yet he does when he draws them to himself. But also, there are times in our lives where heaven seems incredibly silent. Where we are desperate to hear some kind of encouragement, some kind of consolation from God. And we don't. And that's a painful place to be. And you would think um, if there was a guy who, in the New Testament, who would have an open communication line with God all the time, it would be the Apostle Paul. And we know about Paul. He dedicated himself to God. And, of course, you know, being blinded on a road has a way of uh, getting your attention when Jesus says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And he had this big turnaround. And he walked with God and he suffered. He started churches. He preached the word. God used him to write many of these magnificent letters that are such a blessing to us, inspired of God. And yet he tells us that there was a time where heaven was silent, where he had this thorn in the flesh that was very painful and he wanted it to stop. He wanted the pain to quit. But that's not what occurred. Um, and so the question is, uh, what do we do? 
in those times. And I want to look at six truths here in this scripture that I believe uh, are vital to this concept of uh, when heaven's silent. What do we do? Well, let's start out and look at these. Um, The first one are to treat trials as a gift from God. In verse 7, he says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Seems like a strange gift. At least at first notice, you say, this is a gift, this is a thorn, this is prickly, this hurts, this draws blood. But yet God said it was a gift. And of course, as we look at the scripture, Paul received this amazing revelation. And he said that the thorn was given to him so he wouldn't get the big head. And, and so that he wouldn't place himself in a higher position than he deserved. It'd keep pride out of his life. And that is one of the major ways God works. He gives us trials. He gives us pain in order to grow us up. So that we won't get too high in estimation of ourselves. I love that story of Steve Brown where he, uh, years ago, he was doing this project. And he worked as hard as he could work. And it was a flop. And he was just devastated. And so he went to a dear friend of his and he said, Man, I'm such a failure. I, I sh- This is terrible. I can't believe I messed this up. And his friend said, Steve, look, you know what your problem is? Your problem is you have too high an estimation of yourself. If God's going to fail somebody, he's not going to start with a peon like you. Pick Billy Graham or somebody like that, but not you, Steve. God gives us difficult circumstances in order to teach us about himself. We need to see him as a gift. You know, we can see him as a nuisance, that noise in the car. You know, when you see that warning light in the car, don't take a hammer and try to break the light. It's trying to give you a message that something's wrong with the car. Um, maybe it's that numbness in the leg or or the arm, you know, and, well, you probably need to have that checked out. It won't just go away. It's not just merely a nuisance or that bill that you want to throw in the trash can instead of pay. Hope it will just forget that you owe it. Or maybe as we look at trials, these difficult times, this thorn in the flesh, it's a punishment. And we see that, you know, somehow God's, you know, giving us something that we deserve. Or maybe we see it as a battle to be waged, that we're in this ongoing battle with God, wrestling with God, and we've got to win and all this. But the truth of the matter is, God has a purpose that we can't see and that we can't understand. It's a gift. And and that's how he wants us to see it, as difficult as that may sound. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that's the first one. Uh, The second one here is when God doesn't seem to be saying anything, rest your confidence on what God has already said. Now, I just mentioned earlier, Paul tells us that this thorn was given to him because he was able to see these incredible revelations. 
And so God sent this thorn uh, to torment him, and, and it was it was to humble him. And, and he couldn't get answers. He didn't understand fully what was going on. And yet here was a guy who he heard from God frequently. And suddenly it, it got silent. And he wanted answers, and they, they weren't coming. And, and so in those times where you don't have the answers, in those times where you're not getting these, you know, these revelations from God, which is 99.9% of us, right? Uh, too often we say, God, where are you? When we can't see him where we are, what do we need to do? We need to look back to where he's been. And what am I saying? Get in the scriptures and see where God has worked. You know, those guys, that's one thing I love about the scriptures that makes the scripture so real. When you look at the, the people in the scriptures, they're real people. I mean, you look at Moses. Moses like, God, I'm sick of these people. They're such a burden. Why don't you just kill me and take me out of here, God? The burden's too heavy. And he said, you know, what you need to do, Moses, is get your father-in-law and let him set up, you know, some, so you're not doing all the work and wearing yourself out. And then there's Elijah, you know. He gets down on the tree and says, I just deserve to die. You know, he's exhausted. He's running away. Um, there's Jonah, you know, after he used him for this magnificent revival. And he just sat under there and sulked under that shade. And, and he said, I just wish this plant would die. And, and, and there were those times of, of God, why? As they, they sat under there. But we see God working. Working as we read in the scriptures. As, it, as he worked through different people. As he worked through David. Who at times was so depressed. And, and, and God would bring him forward. And, and bring him out of it. Here's the hymn, The Solid Rock. When darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You go to Hebrews 11 and um, take time, but the whole chapter deals with these people who trusted God and did not see the answer to their prayers until they were with him in glory so they struggled through this whole journey here on earth not seeing the definite answers so what they have to do they had to look back with what they had heard before and of course we can also look at people that we know who as God works in their lives and see how he got them through as a matter of fact we're all in the room, so whatever we went through, he got us through it, didn't he? Because we're still here. Um, there's power in that. Third, continue praying to God. And notice in the scripture here um, what he did. Uh, verse 8, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Um, you know, th this isn't the kind of prayer that says, um, God, uh, thank you for this hamburger. Talk to you tomorrow. You know, this, this isn't, you know, God bless the world and that's it. This is, this is a passionate pleading with God 
for hope, for answers. I mean, this is a man who's broken. Um, It's the same description that's used with Jairus, whose daughter was dying. And he came to Jesus and he, he pled before Jesus. It's the same word that's used of the leper who came and, and was looking to be healed. As, as no one would even get within a hundred feet of him. As he had to yell, unclean, unclean. And, and he was lonely and he was, he was broken and, and he was devastated. And yet Jesus healed him. It's the same word used when we think about the servant who came and he begged to be forgiven of his debt so he wouldn't be thrown in prison and separated from his family. And as we think about the real dilemmas, the real struggles that we face, a family member who's sick, who faces a disease, or someone that we desperately miss, that we love, who's no longer with us... Those difficult kind of pains, uh, the everyday bills that come and the struggle with finances that we face and we're you know afraid of what we may lose, we, we can't meet these obligations, um, and the list goes on. But it's that kind of desperation, that kind of crying out to God. When God is silent, we don't need to be. Continue to pray. Continue to pray. And here we find out the only reason Paul stopped praying was he got an answer. Even though it was the answer he didn't want. The answer was no. Maybe you've heard of this acrostic. Push, pray until something happens. Well, that's the point. Pray until something happens. The story of a little boy who told his teacher one day he lost his marble. He knew she was a Christian said, Will you pray for me that I'll find my marble? And she, so she prayed with him, asked him the next day, did you find your marble? He said, no, but God took away my desire for the marble. So it's okay. Keep praying, however, God tends to answer. Next one, listen for God's voice. Notice in the scripture here, he said to me, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. We need to listen for evidence of his grace. We need to be tuned in and, and zeroed in on his presence and where he's at work and, and, and discover ways he's blessing us and that he's loving us. You know, back when the towers fell, you know, in that tragic day in New York City, it was amazing how people came together and they're trying to search through that rubble to find somebody who might still be alive. And those trained crews had special listening devices so that they could hear within that rubble the sound of, of a person. The sound of someone who is still alive. And, and there's so many voices that vie for our attention. And we need to be able to zero in on that one voice that counts. That one voice that makes a difference. Which is our God. And there are so many things that tend to compete for that attention. And the list sometimes seems endless. And yet there's only one safe place to go. And that's to God. You know, I love that verse in uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty four. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend, and we know it's Jesus, who sticks closer than a brother. Everyone else will disappoint us because there's only one who is able to help us ultimately, and that's God. All the other places, there's just not enough. 
And that's why it's so dangerous to put all of our hope, all of our trust in a person besides God. Because sooner or later, we're all going to disappoint each other. Sooner or later. And we don't limit where God might speak. Well, God can only speak in this church sanctuary. Baloney. He can speak a lot of places. I'm grateful he does choose to speak here at times. Think about Elijah. You know, Elijah, he went in the cave and... And it says, you know, all that happened, you know, the earthquake and the rushing wind and, and the thunder. And, and yet, where did he hear God? It was the still, small voice. It was as a whisper. And, and remember with Eli, and, you know, he was just a, he was just a young guy. And, and he kept hearing this voice and he kept going to, to Samuel. And Samuel said, that's not me. I'm not calling you. Maybe you need to listen. I think God might be speaking to you, boy. And he was. So you don't know where God may speak or how he may speak, but we need to be tuned in when he does speak. That's the key. That's the key. Um, Next one. Trust in God's power. Notice what he says in the scripture here. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, the easy thing to think is, and it's evident, I think Paul probably thought this, God, if you just take this thorn away, well, I'll be stronger, I'll feel better, I won't be depressed, and quite frankly, I'll be a better servant. More energy, I'll be more productive. God, it'll be more of me to give to you. That's not how God works. God's not interested at me being at my strongest. He's interested at me seeking Him. And sometimes he does what he needs to do to get my attention so that I will seek him with that full, complete heart and that abandon. And there's a lot of people, boy, more than I'd like to know who are hurting. It seems like about everybody. It seems like everybody I talk to, everybody's got a story of a deep pain that they have. Um, and, and, you know, I, it's endless uh, where you can go in to that um, people who deal with with physical pain and and I have to say thankfully I haven't had a lot of that and I'm not volunteering for for it uh, but I've seen some people that they just never feel good and you know I remember my dad used to always tell me boy he said as long as you got your health you can work out of the rest of it and I didn't know what he was talking about but I see some people that, you know, they just can't work. And what a blessing to have your health. What a blessing. And then just those nagging problems that can drive you insane. That person, that one person that, you know, you want to show him mercy, but only after you kick his teeth out. Or, oh, I didn't say that. Or, you know, just <sighs> drive you nuts. Or... That one who just always seems to take all your energy, you know. And anyway, God says, my strength is greatest when you're at your weakest. I don't need your strength. You need to learn my power. And what a tough lesson. Because we want, we want the reins of control. We want to call the shots. We want to be the ones who make the decisions. And the truth is, why? We don't know what we're doing. 
We just think we do. We need to trust in his power. Then one last one here. Serve God right where you are. Notice what he says here in the text. Verse um, 9, the last part, he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. How easy it is to want to plead with God, stop the pain. (laughs) You know, Lord. But what we need to stop and consider is, maybe God has a reason for us being where we are. At that moment that's so difficult. Maybe God is up to something that we haven't been able to quite figure out or fathom on our own. Maybe he's put us there. Uh, I know years ago, uh, folks on the family, one of the favorite people I used to like to listen to was Johnny Erickson Tata. If any of y'all remember her story. Where, As a teenager, she uh, had a diving accident where she became a quadriplegic. And she was bitter for a time. But when she came out of it, God used her in a powerful way. And now she has a ministry called Johnny and Friends. Um, where... Uh, with disabled to help disabled people and j- just a beautiful Christian, but she had taken what would seem to be a curse and turned it into a blessing um, in that difficult time in, in listening to God. Um, she was able to, to serve him. I'm going to close with something I'm going to read from uh, K. Arthur. Remember K. Arthur's precept studies? If any of you ladies have done any of those. Just a really powerful Bible teacher. Uh, but Kay talks about a time. I'm just going to read this. It's, it's a time she talks about from one of her books where uh, she was broken and she was hurting. Um, she tells about a day she was getting out of the car. Her arms loaded down with books, not wanting to go in the house. As a young widow with two children, it had been a bad day, and she was hurting. As Kay stared at the grass, her mind went back to a time in her childhood when she had been running through the grass toward her dad, terrified and screaming. He scooped her up in his arms and gave her comfort. She wished that she could be a little girl again. She wished she had someone to hold her tight right then. As she turned to go into her house, she suddenly saw herself in her mind's eye, a little girl in pigtails, flying down a vast marble corridor. Oil paintings bigger than life hung on the walls. She could hear her little shoes on the marble floor and see the tears that ran down her cheeks. It's a long corridor. At the end, two huge gold doors glistened in the sunlight, which filtered through beveled cathedral windows. On either side of the imposing door stood two magnificently dressed guards holding huge spears and blocking the entrance into the room beyond. Undaunted, the little girl ran straight toward the door, still crying, Abba! She never broke her stride, for as she neared the doors, the guards flung them open and heralded her arrival. The daughter of the king! The daughter of the king! Court was in session. The cherubim and seraphim cried, Holy! 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 And the elders sat on their thrones, dressed in white, wearing crowns of gold and talking with the king of kings. But none of this slowed his daughter. 
Oblivious to everything going on about her, she ran past the seven burning lamps of fire, up the steps leading to the throne, and she catapulted herself right into the king's arms. She was home and wrapped in the arms of his everlasting love. He reached up and with one finger gently wiped away her tears. Then he smoothed the sticky hair on her face back into her braids and said, Now, now, tell your father all about it. Kay Arthur walked into the house, left her books on the table, walked through the house and knelt by her bedside. There she proceeded to tell her father all about it. Let's pray. Master, you are not only enough, you are more than enough. We come and we worship you. Father, only you know what the thorn is that each of us wants removed. And for whatever reason, um, the answer is no for now, maybe later. But may we see what you're trying to teach us through this, Father. That you have given it to us and that we need to continue to pray. And that we need to look back to how you have been faithful in the past and And how we can still count on you today. Father, we need to trust you. We need to trust in your power. And Master, we we need to just continue, Father, to place our hope in you. For you are worthy. And I pray tonight with this dear church family, God. You know us. And you still love us. And we're grateful. What are you up to, Master? What do you want to do in our lives? We want the thorn out, but you're up to something. Father, may we stay close. May we stay clean. And may we stay committed to you as we go forward. Father, you love us and you want to work in us. So, Father, I pray that um, you use this difficult time as a launching pad for your glory. Father, as we stand and as we sing, may we sing to you as the living God. May we say, Lord, whether you choose to take this throne, this thorn away or not, you are still my God. So as we sing, may that be our heartbeat. In Christ's name we pray.